Welcome to the new episode of Quarter Quest, Comics on the Cheap. Can I ask you a question before we begin? Have you ever wanted to have your own podcast? If so, we'd like to recommend Podbean. We've been using it for the last three years, and we love it. It's easy to use, and the customer support is amazing. Just go to podbean.com and enter the code HAUNTEDLOG at checkout and get your first month of podcasting for free. That's podbean.com, Haunted Log. Now, on to the show. Hey Ryan, what's going on? Hey, I kind of dug the music. I was jamming out there. Yeah, I didn't want to do it for a whole like five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah, it's like only one that's on Podbean that I actually like. <clears throat> it's somewhat <laughs> enjoyable. The most of it sounds like this. Yeah, that's not really us. That's more Dungeons and Dragons, or some kind of sci-fi. You want to get your uh, erotic fiction on? Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! Yeah. All right. Uh, I'll go ahead with the intro here then. Welcome, everybody, to the It's Too Wordy Comic Bud Podcast, where a couple of buddies talk about comics from their childhood and today. I am Ryan. And I'm Nick. And today we are talking about Jason Todd Robin, and we are going to review Suicide Squad along with whatever random reads we have. And instead of a top ten list, we actually, upon request from one of our listeners, created our dream team of to make a comic book. So we have the editor, writer, all that jazz, and we'll talk about that by the end of the show. All right. Where do we want to start at tonight, Nick? Let's start with this awesome issue of Suicide Squad. All right. So, okay, DC, and you're trying to trick me into buying your horrible comic by putting Blue <laughs> Beetle in costume on the cover. And like I said, did I last week? Did I say that he's probably not going to appear in costume? You did say that, yes. And I said he was getting manipulated by um, Maxwell Lord. Maxwell Lord. Okay, yeah. so I was wrong on part of it. But yeah, I I was really disappointed in this. What do they have a thing that says that they do not want to put him back in the suit? They're just going to tease you on the cover. I have no idea. It's like I didn't even on. know he was back until you told me about this issue. He's just a billionaire now. 
You know, he's probably just said that he gave up being Blue Beetle and passed it on to, to Jaime, and and now he's just a defense contractor. <sighs> yeah, I was lost, dude. I was so lost in this. I don't even know who these characters are. <laughs> and by the end of it, I don't really care. Like, I have no care about reading who these people are. I mean, they kill off Deadshot. Yep. And like the page one character two. I actually care about. And then there's a girl dressed like Deadshot. And I'm like, is this like the whole Deathstroke and his daughter? Rose. Uh, yeah, Ravager. Is this kind of the same thing? Is this just going through DC like everybody's having kids and now they're becoming younger versions of themselves? Well, I know from reading the older Deadshot books, he does have a daughter. And he was... Uh, right. Some of the money he was earning was trying to get get her taken care of. Right. But would you want your daughter to grow up to put on your mask with a Harley Quinn jumpsuit? She, she's got Harley Quinn hair. Is that Harley Quinn? Yeah, it's Harley Quinn. It is. It is Harley Quinn. See, that's what yeah. I didn't get. I was like, what is going on? And why is she wearing Deadshot's mask? I don't know. So here's the deal. I, I really like Tom Taylor's writing. I do. And one of the reasons I do like him is because he does go outside the box on a lot of stuff. He's one of the few writers that I can read, and I'm like, I don't recall ever reading anything like this before. You know? Or a lot yeah, of I will say it's, like a, it's a rehash. It's a very different story. <coughs> um, but, it, you know, for somebody like you, Nick, you don't read Suicide Squad. I don't read Suicide Squad anymore. But you don't read Suicide Squad. You got it because Blue Beetle is on the cover. They have to know that's going to drive a couple of purchases. Would it kill them to put in a who's who of who's in the Suicide Squad, like on the front page, like they used to do with uh, the Thunderbolts and the Avengers and, you know. They don't, they just, this is just dry. It's like they don't even tell you who these people are in half the time. They're just, they're, they're first names and then that's it. Yeah. It's like, who are you supposed to be? Um, but, and when did Black Mask start to be? Is a, that's Black Mask, right? When did he turn in the chameleon? Yes, he is the chameleon now. And yeah, and his face—he can change his face. Mm. I did like how he got thwarted. <laughs> uh. <laughs> uh. Yeah, Wink is a half foot taller, shorter. Right. <laughs> um, the 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 best part was when uh, the fish guy like leans in to Ted Cord and he starts sniffing him. He's yeah. like, "No, I'm 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 reading your brain, right?" And he's like, 
oh, you used to dress up like a superhero. You had another uniform. She's like, another uniform? You're And Harley Quinn's like, you're Batman? Because <laughs> <laughs> like, no. What, do you think every billionaire would spend their free time fighting crime in Gotham? <laughs> yeah, he looked kind of nervous there. Yeah, but, I did like that. Um, but, you know, I would say the story was original. The colors in this, I'm, I really liked the color. I'm not saying I like the art. Do it at the end where it's all the pinks and purples. Yeah. And then it goes to the greens. That is amazing. Yeah. The color is just unbelievably gorgeous in this. The art itself, good. I I could take it or leave it, but I mean, it is bright and vibrant and just great. Yeah. I'm just saying this, the story that they throw you in completely cold, cold and I think that's the part that I didn't really like. And the fact that I don't know these characters. Right. But the rest of it. Yeah. I kind of liked it, but is it what I'm going to buy again? Probably not. Yeah. I, that's the thing with the suicide squad. The whole premise is they go out and do their job or if they don't, they're going to get killed. Mm Mm-hmm. And in all the other reincarnations of the Suicide Squad, you never really saw that happen. They had the core. They never brought anybody random in so they could just blow them up. (laughs) It's just the threat that they had that. You know, and so having these new characters, I'm okay with that because maybe that did happen previously. I don't know. But... I'm I'm on Harley overload. I am so done with Harley Quinn as far as standard DC universe. I'm really liking the characters that they've developed in the black label stuff, but standard DC universe, I am done with it. I've just, well, there's so many different Harleys running around that it's hard to know. Okay, is this the Harley Quinn that's from her book that doesn't want to be a villain? Is this the Harley Quinn? Uh, you know, it's just like there's too many of like yeah. her versions running around the DC universe, and it's like just pick one. Right. Um, the one thing that has been driving me nuts about DC Comics are these stupid Snickers ads. <laughs> yeah. Because you flip the page and you start reading it because it's a comic format. And unless you look down at the bottom and see it says Snickers, you're like, why in the hell is Shazam in this? You know? <laughs> right. Well, that's the same as those, those old Hostess ones. Oh, yeah. But those Hostess ones were great. I, and then but. the other part that really got me, very back, well, almost the back page, second to last page, an advertisement for Punchline. <laughs> yeah. Punchline is getting her own comic book. Uh-huh. It's not needed. 
but you you got to know more about her, right? You got to exploit this character that everybody thinks is so great now. But <laughs> I read Batman 100, so I know about punchline. I will tell you this. They set it up so they could do the one shot and make buku bucks off of it. It is a dead character. She'll appear here or there. She's never going to get the popularity of Harley. Just. It's not needed. Right. Yeah, because Harley was on that cartoon, and I think that's where we all started to really like her. Mm-hmm. Because of how, how she was on that show. You right. Know, sympathetic character, you know that Joker's not doing it or any good, and kind of feel bad for her, but now it's just like, ugh, too much. Yeah. Too much. It's like you said, there's just so many of them running around. You got the good one that kind of does bad things every once in a while in her own book in like the deceased series or uh, injustice. They are making her a vigilante type with just a smart Alec mouth. This, who knows what's going on. I just, there's so many good superheroes that DC is not using. Mm Mm-hmm. And I and I get it. I mean, you need to find a female superhero character that's popular with the young kids. Okay, great. Run with it. But oh. that's the thing. Harley shouldn't be for young kids. Like no. Like at all. <laughs> Did you uh, see uh, But of course the same thing with Deadpool too, but you know how many little kids dress well, like Deadpool? Deadpool has stopped. It's like for five years, Deadpool was everywhere. And then it's like all of a sudden he fell off a cliff and you're not seeing anything unless you're reading G.I. Joe's (laughs) Snake Ice Dead Game. Um, (laughs) I mean, you just don't see him anymore. I I think that's probably a good thing. I think they just need to pull Harley back a little bit and... um, kind of get people away for, from her and then bring her back. She's not a character that needs to be around all the time. Um, right. Did you see the Adam Sandler Halloween movie? That, yes. Was it Hoobie? Hoobie Halloween? Yeah. Hoobie, yeah. Where like, all, the women all the women are dressed like <laughs> Yeah. Like, and that's the, that's the problem is yeah, those was it there's three or four women that were dressed and then you had a little kid dressed like it's like okay let's pull it back in now <laughs> oh excuse me all right all right sorry about that no you're all right i heard something talking to you so i didn't want to uh distract distract you 
you want to do the Jason Todd thing now? Oh, sweet. Yeah, I can do that. All right. So Jason Todd is the second person to have the Robin suit. He appeared way back in Batman 357, like 1983. There's two different versions of his origin. There's pre-crisis and there's post-crisis. Pre-crisis, he was almost exactly Dick Grayson. He is an ex uh, aerialist. He did, was a gymnast. He was in a circus with the Flying Todds. He uh, parents, I think, get killed, and Bruce puts him in a in a home for kids. And he finds out that um, let me. I'm trying not to get this incorrect because that's so confusing right so yeah um his parents get killed by by killer croc and gets adopted by bruce the weird thing is he has red hair and to go opposite of dick's black and he dyes his hair black to make people think that he's the original robin and his original incarnation was really happy like he he was just a happy little kid right okay and post-crisis this is where this is where everybody started to hate this character they changed it to him living in at home with a crook for a father and a drug addicted mother his dad goes to prison and he's left with his mom and he he runs the street ripping off car parts and one night batman catches him trying to steal the wheels off the batmobile what an idiot that is the dumbest you go to <laughs> go to the batmobile and try to steal tires off of it like if there was any car in the world that you saw on the street would you be like hmm that is a vigilante who likes to beat people up i'm gonna steal stuff off his car that's a great idea. Whoever, you know, when people wrote this, they, they need to be slapped. Oh my, so hard. So, uh, Batman uh, kind of sees a little bit of something in this kid, puts him in a home, and they the home is actually training kids to be criminals. And Bruce finds out and brings the kid home because he he's afraid that this kid is going to grow up to be a massive criminal and he wants to nip it in the bud before it grows any farther. And then about Batman 427 uh, is the death in the families where Jason gets beaten up by the Joker, like horribly, like with a tire iron and a crowbar and whatever else the Joker has with him, just beats him to a pulp. And then you could call an 800 number to see if you want this character to live or die. And then the next issue, they will publish what you voted. <clears throat> so with a, <clears throat> with a vote of 5,343, to 5,271. 72 points. 
were hanging in the balance of if this kid is going to live or die. Well, everybody voted that this kid needs to die. So, so you get the classic Superman carrying dead Supergirl, but instead it's Batman carrying a dead Robin out of a flaming building. And the rest of that story, I didn't care about the Joker going to the UN and gassing it. And then Superman saved, like, I was like, this, this stupid. All right. You, you did a great story of Jason going off on his own to go fight the Joker and getting killed. And then you have Superman sucking all the oxygen or all the gas out of the UN. It's like, man, you just ruined that story. But that's how I feel. I don't know if anybody else does. But <laughs> he he kind of like shows up like in in certain like he um he showed up in blah blah blah. What am I thinking? In Hush, right? So everybody thinks that Hush is Jason Todd coming back from the grave. But it's it's not. It's Clayface impersonating Jason. That was a huge thing, like the cool-ass looking Robin uh-huh. with the Hush uniform on. Absolutely amazing and artwork in Jim that. Lee killed it on that, yeah. And then it comes back that Jason got taken by Rachel Ghoul and put in the Lazarus pit. So he is not dead. He's just hanging out with Raish. And he he comes back as the Red Hood in in a story called Is it the Red Hood? I can't remember what it's called. Uh, hold on. Is it the is it the Red Hood or is it Under the Hood? Under the Hood in two thousand five, <coughs> and yeah, and he comes back into continuity, which and is probably one of the coolest characters to come into Batman in a long time. Oh yeah. So. Okay, so here's a funny little bit, bit of trivia. So in Comics Alliance, they rated Jason Todd. Can you guess what number out of 50 of the sexiest male comic characters? This is yeah, he's num- more current? Yeah, correct. this is more current. This was in 2013. Okay, I would say probably, what, like seven? He's number 23. 23? 23. But it's funny. It's like, ha! You, they they have a poll of the sexiest comic book characters. That's really funny to me. <laughs> I, in the comic book universe, it doesn't surprise me. I truthfully. <laughs> but yeah. So that's that's Jason Todd. Yeah, Jay. See, I didn't realize because that's probably the one Robin I know the least about outside of the origin story where he's trying to steal the wheels off of the Batmobile. And then they had the phone number. Mm-hmm. Didn't know anything else about that character. 
Um, but I really, and I, I know this is not a popular belief because obviously they killed him off because nobody liked him. But they really did need to counteract, you know, Dick's funny, fun go loving, get out there and have a good time doing it. You know, they needed right. a different type of Robin. <clears throat> and because he so was just a copycat of yeah. Grayson to begin with. They really needed a different type of Robin and putting that edge on him where he was more of an angry kid opposed to the fun-loving. I thought that that was perfect. And then what's funny is they bring in Damien, who's the same thing. It's like Damien's a little dickhead. And no, so is Jason. Entitled. Yeah, but same thing, though. I mean, they're they're both angry little jerks. But for two different. I mean, yeah, no, I understand where you're coming from. It, just two different reasons. It's yeah. Damien believes that he is entitled to all this stuff, where Jason was just pissed off at the world. Um, but yeah, same same kind of attitude. You're absolutely mm-hmm. right on that. Um. Oh, good stuff. So next one's Tim Drake, right? Tim Drake. Nice. Yep. All right. So that is our Robin update for the week. Um, let's see. I don't have a whole lot of news from the shop. I haven't been in for a very prolonged period of time. So, uh, <laughs> Check out their Facebook page. Go to kryptoncomics.com. Check out what they're doing. Um, I know for Halloween they did have the Nebraska Batman come by and some guy dressed like Superman showed up too. So, pretty big deal there, I guess. Um, but yeah, absolutely check out their website. <clears throat> We're on Facebook. Alright, so that takes us over to the Random reads. I've got two. I've got two. Uh, do you mind if I go first since you've been doing all the talking about Rod in there? Yeah, it's cool. All right. So the first one is called Sympathy for No Devils uh, by Brandon Thomas and Lee Ferguson. It is a Aftershock number one. And the first thing that caught my attention was I paid $5 for this. I don't remember any kind of warning that they were going to bump everything up to $5, but it looks like that's the way they're headed now at this point. Um, <clears throat> and this book is about a the last human. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure where they are, they're at. I'm assuming it's probably on Earth. But uh, he's the last human. He's a private eye. And he lives in a world where it's full of aliens. And his part, former partner is still a cop. And this private eye is extremely lucky. Like, you know, he'll tie, bend down to tie his shoe and a bullet will fly over his head. Kind of luck, you know. Um almost 
it almost reminds me of if you remember the movie The Jerk by Steve Martin with Steve Martin, mm-hmm. where he, he hates these got, cans. Yeah, <laughs> um, and I don't think they're going for the humor aspect of it, but just the way he kind of got out of things a little bit. Just you could kind of see how they're playing that a little bit. Okay, yeah, no, it is on Earth um, because this is in Carson City, Nevada, and a. They're talking about a previous case that happened three years ago, him and his ex-partner, and how there is a copycat of that previous case. Same spot. Um, the alien that died was a like a gigantic, think Godzilla scale, I guess. Well, the alien that died three years later, same same size, I mean, Everything about this murder is identical. And they're talking about what's going on with this. And there is a little bit of humor in this um, because they're walking along and they see this guy. He's like, hey, he's supposed to be in jail. We've been trying to catch him for the last six months. And you start hanging around with me and all of a sudden we find him just randomly. Uh, so they start chasing down the guy that escapes. And he, the human ends up going back to his office after they catch him. And a woman's standing there, and she's like, I'm looking for my husband. And she goes, my husband's name, you can't pronounce it. So everybody calls him uh, Corey. And she shows a picture of him, and Corey is the creature that, or the alien that was murdered in the same spot that was previous. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. I thought this story was okay. Uh, wasn't super great. It felt like it dragged on quite a bit. Um, outside of the dumb luck, the... <clears throat> private eye has is about the only real massive highlight Winston Wales is what his name is otherwise it felt very much like the fifth element I guess Mm -hmm. with the cop you know Um, nothing spectacular Uh, I might try out the next issue I was really disappointed because I thought the premise of this sounded really good but it, it started off extremely slow, and something's going to happen. Ha- have to happen in the next issue for me to continue to pick it up, especially for five bucks a pop. Yeah. And then I picked this one up just because of how insane um, people have been talking about this book. I picked up the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Last Ronin. With all did 72 covers? One? Did you get all 72 covers? No, I did not, and nor <laughs> will I. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, my shop didn't have it. Yeah, it sold out fast. Um, <clears throat> I happened to walk in right when they opened and walked over real quick, and I knew it came out. And I'm like, everybody's talking about this. I, I want to check it out. So I grabbed it, 
I didn't realize I paid nine dollars for it. Um, oh my god! It is a bigger, bigger than standard issue size book, so it just barely squeezes into a Silver Age bag and board, and the board itself does not even contain the book. It sticks out over that board hmm. to give you an idea. Um, and this is done by Eastman and Lard, and <clears throat> I have avoided doing my best to avoid the spoilers because I wanted to read it. I didn't want to know who the last turtle was uh, in this particular turtle is carrying each individual's weapons. So you got the bow, you got the swords, you got the nunchucks. You, I mean, he's carrying all the other turtles' weapons um, to not give it away. And then they keep his mask covered where you can't see the bandana. So you can't tell. And I'm going to be honest, this was worth it. It, wow. It was fantastic. Um, it's not giving away too much, but he's basically going after Shredder's grandson. Um, who's in charge of the clan or the foot now. Um, the art's amazing. The colors are just fantastic. It's all in the future. Um, they really keep the turtle in the shadows. Um, there's a couple points where you're like, what is exactly happening here? Um, because of some of the conversations he has, this is just fantastic. Um, if you can find it, pick it up. Absolutely. Or at least get the trade of it when it comes out. Um, I already know, I know it's already going for like 30. Um, and I mean, this isn't even a week old yet, but it was fantastic. I don't know a lot about the turtles. Uh, that's not something I ever really got into, but I didn't feel like I needed to know a lot reading this. Um, it's just an amazing standalone story. I think it's supposed to be three, three or four issues, and I will be getting the rest of them. It's well worth reading. Yeah, I'm definitely going to have to pick up the trade for that now, because yeah. there's no way I'm going to pay thirty bucks. Yeah. So. Uh, give it. A, well, if you give it a couple of, you know, a month and a half, two months or whatever, it'll probably come down in price, kind of like Batman Damned. Number one did. Um, yeah. Because I, I can't imagine. I mean, you know, the supply out there is big enough that somebody's just trying to get it and flip it for a quick buck. Yep. They'll drop in price. So that's what I had this week. Cool. So I got two old books for you right now. So this one is from 1983, DC Comics, Power Lords, issue one of three. <laughs> Do you remember these toys? 
Yes. I hated these toys. I thought they were the ugliest, weirdest looking things ever. <laughs> I was like, no, I don't want that. I want the He-Mans. <laughs> it, it was weird because it would be a dude on one side and then his head would flip around and he'd have a different bodysuit on. Yep. It was just a weird gimmick. So let me just tell you how this story begins. It says, our epic saga begins here. The saga of Power Lords. In the dark, brooding vastness of space, a grim-faced woman pilots her gleaming spacecraft through the interstellar blackness of on a mission of such dire urgency that the fate of the universe hangs in the balance. Our saga begins here. They say saga three times, and our saga begins here twice on the first page. <laughs> on the first page. So the writer is Michael Fleischer and artist is Mark Teixeira. And I love Mark Teixeira's artwork. He, when he did Ghost Rider, it was Amazing. one of the best looking Ghost Riders ever. Yeah. And when I found out he did this, I was like really excited to read this. So there's this uh, lady named Shea and she's riding through space and she's in this little one person spacecraft and she's getting she's getting trailed by like five space elephants. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> supposedly these things are bi biologically manipulated to live in space and have a brain of their own, which they're animals, but they also are spacecraft with people inside of them. Huh? Okay. <laughs> so, she she fights these things and one hits her and it looks like it explodes, like she's dead, right? And then it goes to a telescope on Earth where this old man, this old scientist and his young assistant, Adam, are working. And he's like, Adam, I know that for some reason you have no history of ever going to school for astronomy, ever going, you know, we, we, you have like no past. Uh, wonder where this is going. <laughs> and, but we hired you anyway, because of your, your wanting to learn and you're, you super adapted to learning all about astronomy. Well, they see something on the scanner, right out in space. And it's like a blip and they go into talking about, how this old scientist believes that they're the possibility of life in other planets, because there's so many stars that the possibility is really great that there is another civilization out there. And this kid has a flashback of being attacked by spaceships. And he's like, Oh yeah, you know, it's just, a, this is just a weird, whatever. Right, and he just kind of goes and forgets about it. Okay, if I, you know, were having flashbacks of being on an alien planet, getting attacked by aliens, something's wrong. Not just, <laughs> oh yeah, forget it. Never mind, Doc. I, I'm just hallucinating. It's fine. I'm good. <laughs> and then the spacecraft comes out of hyperspace and it crashes right out in front of the planetarium. And, he runs out there like 
And she's like, Adam? Oh my God, this is Green Lantern. So, right. And he's like, how do you know I'm Adam? She's like, just get in, right? And so he gets in the spacecraft and the space alien frog thing comes down and starts firing on him. And she takes him back to her home planet. Well, actually, she doesn't take him back. She gives him a crystal and then she transforms. Like her, she, her body turns from a normal woman into a red, noseless robot thing because her eyes are complete circles and her mouth is a complete circle. But it still has her same hair. It's the weird. It's so weird, dude. And so she tells the story about her planet and how uh, the rulers are dead. And there's four, three aliens that came together that used to fight each other for millennia. And they came together. And now they're just going to rampage across the galaxy. And one of them is named Ragoth, the Goon of Doom. Yes, <laughs> the Goon of Doom. And Adam finds out that he's the son of the king who was transported off the planet not by choice, but because the castle was getting taken over by these three and kills his parents right in front of him, right? So he wakes up on Earth, no memories, whatever. And the only thing that she used a gun on him to transport him to Earth. And with that gun, she can keep track of him. So she knows exactly where he is. Uh and they go to a space station, which is millennia old, which has all this equipment and resources that will be able to stop the war in its tracks. The only person that can turn it on, like anybody can come in. This is a big foreshadowing thing that anybody can come in this space station, but only a power his name, his name is Adam Power, Power yeah. Lord. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's the only one that can turn this ship on or this rock or whatever. And out from behind them, as soon as he turns it on, is the four or three main villains. And they want to take over the, sh the whole place. And we're ended by them being defeated by the three villains. What could happen in the next three issues? Oh no, I don't know. But there is an awesome ad in here for Green Lantern, which I think is funny. <laughs> it uh it was when Len Wein and Dave Gibbons took over and it was the new Green Lantern is coming and he's coming for you. And I will say Dave Gibbons draws the best Hal Jordan. Like, that one, does he give an issue number like 180? Oh, no. It's just a picture. It just says, uh, beginning this October, Len Wein and Dave Gibbons will take the Emerald Gladiator places he's never gone before to new foes, new friends, new thrills, new Green Lantern. Yeah. Yeah, I think that is right around the 170, 180 mark. Yeah. That's yeah, I, I really like that, it, that, that book or that, that page. Like you said about the death, if I could have a poster of that, I would love it. 
So number two, this one I really liked. And I never read this before. And it's from 1987 from Dark Horse Comics. So this cost $1.75 in 1987. That's probably why I never got it, because I was looking at 75 cent action comics. Right. This is The Mark. Number one by Mike Richardson and Art Nichols. Dude, this is so good. Um, So it starts out like, have you ever wondered what today would be like if Nazi Germany won the war? Okay, you got me, right? You got my interest right in the first paragraph. What would have happened if they would have realized their, their dream of the Superman and taking over and creating a master race? And this is a fictional story or a, a story of a fictional land called Luzani. And Luzani is a small country that was allied with the Germans and then decided that they wanted to become neutral. So they stayed, they stayed neutral throughout the war. They isolated themselves off. And they're surrounded by mountains, so it was really easy for them just to, like, disappear. Well, they kept going with the experiments. And the the Nazi kind of way of life kind of stuck. And so there's people, there's the chosen, right, who are, like, the 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 white people. Let me just say that. They're, they're like, European descent. You know, and anybody that's not anybody that has a deformity or is a different ethnicity or a different color, they are given a mark, a little little button that's yellow and has like a a sideways V on it, right? And they're only allowed to live in a certain area, like a ghetto, while the 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 chosen ones have a life of luxury they they they're they're super rich they have everything they want but the the ones that are marked have to live in poverty like hellish poverty and they can be taken for experiments by the government to try to make more supermen but the thing is they've only made one in the history since world war two, they've only made one Superman and he's running the country. And he thinks that this whole country is going great, but he's too arrogant to see how wrong he is. And nobody will tell him because he will rip you in half. And the story is pretty much leading up Well, it shows, okay, let me let me just go back. So how I was saying about the kids being able to, like the people being taken for experiments, well, it shows how horrifying this can be. You get a knock at the door and the family just freaks out. They're like, no, 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 you can't take our, our twins. Our, our, you know, you already took our eldest. He never came back. You can't have these. And the parents just fight these stormtroopers. And the father gets killed right in front of his kids. The mother gets dragged out and just thrown down on the street and her kids are taken from her. 
And they get taken to one of the concentration camps, which is this huge, giant building. And they're, they're put into, like, they get separated. Um, on the way, the little girl almost gets sexually molested by one of the guards, gets slapped around. And the doctor's like, okay, the boy can go over here, but the girl is damaged. What happened in the truck, right? And the guy has to explain, like, oh, you know, she fell. And he's like not buying it, and he's like, "You mess around with one more of my 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 subjects, and I will have you killed." And he's like, "Well, whatever, you know." <laughs> then it goes into, "Oh God, this is the worst." Just the inhumanity for how they treat these people. They they drag the boy into like a surgical office, and it's got like twelve tables in it, two doctors each table. And they're, they, they shackle the kid to the, the table. They cut his clothes off. And they're just talking about a comedy show that they saw. They're, then they start to dissect this kid on the table without, any, without putting him to sleep, without, you know, they're just experimenting on him while he's awake. Because you know what? He doesn't matter because he's a marked. And this shows like what, what happens to these people that were experimented on that didn't become super soldiers because they can't figure out how to make another one. And they're all like comatose or they're all like messed up. And uh, later on, the guards are like talking and one of them's like, you know what? We got some of these guys down downtown that they're going to get executed tonight. I'm pretty sure this vigilante that's been going around is going to be down there. You know, we don't need to be guarding this place. He's most likely going to be down there. Well, this dude shows up and he's all in black and he's got the yellow mark across his chest. And he's got it on his face. He just beats the crap out of these guys. Right. And you're wondering, okay, now, is he a super soldier? Is he one that actually went through the tests and survived? Well, we don't know, but I'm betting he is. He's he's in this place where the kids are being held. He, you remember X, how X would put an X on somebody's face? Yeah. Well, the mark puts the little V or the symbol on people's foreheads and is now that he's, he changes them from being chosen to being one of the marked. So now, so now they are going to have to go through what everybody else does. And he's like, you are less than I, you are nothing. He he goes and he's like, okay, where's this kid? Right. He finds the doctor. He's like, where are the kids? I need to find the kids. And the guards all come after him. The dude Locks the door behind him, gunfire. He sees a wall of like, um, it's uh, a tile wall. And he's like, I think I can break through this. So he runs up and he hits it and he dislocates his arm and he just puts it back in. And then he keeps hitting the wall again and again and again until he breaks through it. And he grabs the kid and jumps out and 
takes him back to his mother. And she's like, oh, wait, she takes the daughter. He takes the daughter. And she's like, well, where's my son? He's like, well, there's nothing I could do. He's beyond help because they freaking experimented on him already. And you kind of wonder if the Mark is these kids' older brother that was experimented on before they they were taken. Oh, wow. Dude, this book is so good. Now, and is that in color or is it black and white? This one is in color, but I think issue two, because this was Dark Horse Color Comics. Mm-hmm. And I think my issue two is the standard black and white. Did you pick that up in Alan's show? I picked up number one at Alan's show, and I picked up two and three at uh, Dregsler. Okay, because I, the name sounded familiar. I looked it up, and I'm like, I, I think I saw you grab that one the other day. Oh, my God, dude. I'm surprised I never read this. It's so good. Like, it's really good. That's all. That's all I can say. If you oh, haven't read it, go it. out, try to find it. it like I, it's in the quarter box. <laughs> Three of them in a quarter box. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to reading the rest of them. Wow. Yeah, it sounds really good. You have to let me know if it stays solid all the way through. Yeah. All right. That was a good one. I like that. Okay. So that takes us to um, our list, right? Yep. I think we're to the list. All right. So, um, again, because you just did a lot of talking, I'll go ahead and go first. Um, so we did editor, writer, artist, colorist, anchor, letter and cover artist. Now, one of our listeners did ask us to put together our dream team to write a or to do a comic book. Who would we pick throughout all the ages to do a comic book um, for us? And so, but they he didn't give us a whole lot of criteria. He they listed off like writer and artist and like maybe editor. Um, but not a ton else. So Nick and I kind of added the others. And so this is what I went with for editor. I went with Julie shorts for writer. I went with JM DeMantis, uh, artist. I had a problem. I couldn't figure out who I wanted. Um, so it's a toss up between either Darwin cook from like new frontier or Tim sale. Um, the art he did was for like the book, like the long Halloween, uh, mm-hmm. very similar styles to an extent. Um, the more boxy faced, I don't know. It just reminds me a lot of the old pulp comics, you know, um, I've always just liked that style. Um, the colorist would be James Sinclair. No, I chose James Sinclair because I really liked what he did on the Spectre Volume 4. The colors just really stood out to me. Um, he just he got that character really well. So I went with that, uh, with James. 
inker, I did Nick Giordano from Green Lantern. Uh, some of the later volume or uh, later issues he did on the volume two run. Letterer, I did Todd Klein. Um, he's most well known for doing the lettering on Sandman. And then the cover artist I picked was Daniel Lou Visa. Um, and the best piece of art that you would find, of, in my opinion, I'm sure he's got a lot of great art, but Secret or The Secret Six, issue 16, is probably my favorite cover of all time out of every comic book. And I can't tell you why. I That one has just always stood out to me. I absolutely love it. So I would love to see him do other books along those style that style, I guess. So that's who I selected. Cool. All right. So we're going to be totally opposite here. <laughs> um, editor. I was going to pick Stan, but I picked Tom DeFalco instead because they used to make fun of him a lot in the 90s comics, and I always thought those were funny. Um, <laughs> artist, Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. If you ever look up his his DC encyclopedia work or his art of DC, it is the standard. You probably have some at the shop where it was like the three pages, like the, the front, the side, and the back. Yeah. Those things yep. and like them running in like total 1970s, 80s DC. Yeah. Okay, so got the artist, inker George Perez, writer Roy Thomas, inker Joe Sinat, letterer Will Eisner. Nice. Uh, cover artist Frank Cho with colors by Sabine Rich. Yeah, that's that's pretty much my list. Wow. So a little bit old and new. Yeah. And that's what I was trying to do a little bit too is get some older, but get some newer stuff, you know. Um, and it was a little difficult for me to pull away from doing nothing but Green Lantern stuff. But <laughs> yeah, uh, I know that's not everybody's cup of tea and there's a lot of stuff that I do enjoy out there that's not. So that's what I was kind of looking at. Cool. Nice. All right. What about news? Do we have any news, or do you have any news, Nick? Uh, I have a something. Uh, I watched Hellstrom on Hulu. Oh yeah, it's the Damon Hellstrom show with his sister Satana, and it's a lot like Rosemary's Baby. <laughs> it ten episodes. It is awesome. It is frightening. Uh, it made my wife squirm a little bit. The lady who plays his mom, which in the comics, they really don't go into his mom. It's mostly about his dad. But this was about how his dad kind of screwed the entire family, right? Um, she plays Possessed incredibly well. Like, she is an amazing actress. Uh, they don't call... Satana, Satana. She's Anna, 
because I think if you're not going to call him the son of Satan, Anna works the best. Yeah. And they got them so perfect. Like Damon is a, a college professor and Anna is living in San Francisco. She's rich. She deals with antiques, but she also hunts and kills predators at night. Like that's what she loves to do is go out and kill men who, who uh, assault women. Like awesome. Uh, long story. It goes through, you know, how, how he grew up, how she grew up. They never say who his dad is. They just call him dad. And that you, you believe that he's, he's just a serial killer. It's like, no, no, he's not. These kids are part demon and they bring it up a lot that it's like, how, come on, just say it, just say it, just say it. He has, uh, they do a really well, a great job of hiding the scar on his chest that his dad cut into him with a knife into the shape of a pentagram. You do not see it very well. Like he's constantly trying to get it uh, tattooed over, but nothing sticks. When he gets infuriated and his 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 body just gets inflamed, like he's just on fire, and that chest piece just starts to burn through his clothes. Hmm. And later on, uh, Anna finds an artifact and she uses it as a spear and then Damon gets it and he gets his trident. I'm like, Oh my God. Now I was waiting and I would really wish that Patsy Walker from the, uh, the Jessica Jones show Mm -hmm. would have shown up because it would have been like the perfect little tie in that, Damon and her get married and then they, <laughs> they're like, ah, because I was always waiting for it. And Jessica Jones for Patsy to bring up that she was married to some dude and like he would show up, but they never did. Like it would have been really cool to see Damon in there, <laughs> but it, it, it's sad that that's all we're going to get, but I really liked it. Wow. Like they did it really well. Like you could see Damon and Constantine hanging out. Like it would have been, you know, the two exorcists, you know, hanging out together, drinking a beer. But yeah, it, it's, it's, find that one. it's cool. But I also have watched Adam's family at least eight times this week. So I'm kind of <laughs> losing my brain. The live action. Both the we've watched uh, the first movie and Adam's Family Values, and then the cartoon at least six times. Duh. That's too much so. Adam's Family. <laughs> <laughs> My daughter went as Wednesday for Halloween, and that's what she picked out. And she won't take the dress off. <laughs> she wore it Friday night or Saturday night, all of Sunday, and then she wanted to wear it today, and she cried for about an hour. To put it back on. It was like, wow. So, yeah. What do you got? You got any news? Uh, a couple of things. 
Um, I did read an interesting article off of Bleeding Cool um, where a guy that owns a shop in Ankeny, Iowa, believe it or not, called Rodman Comics, and the title of the article was saying comic sales are rising as movie sales fall. And he was talking about how his third quarter for this year compared to last year um, had increased and how he had to let some staff go and they were closed for a little bit and they had to change their, uh, how they were doing things just because of COVID. But his profit was significantly higher. Um, and he's kind of, he kind of directs it to the fact that there's no new movies out. I mean, the, was it Tenet's the only new, really new movie that came out in a theater recently? And I heard that was a bomb. And he said he's seen all those sorts of new customers coming in and buying product. Um, that, and he kind of got into it a little bit about how um, the company that DC uses, Lunar, level six. Excuse me, sorry about that. The company that DC uses for distribution is Lunar Comics, or for is Lunar Publishing. How they're doing everything perfectly. They're getting the right orders there on time. They're um, sending, I mean, their stuff's not damaged. Where with Diamond, you've seen that constantly as well. So he kind of went into how he thought his business was going up a little bit because of the movies not being out there, but also how um, this distributor DC is now using is doing a better job than diamond who's been around for ages and how many sales he's losing from diamond sending stuff and the books are damaged um, or he'll order toys through them. And one of the examples he used was that he ordered a box of transformers and all he got was the RC transformer. It was supposed to be a box full of different transformers and how Diamond just keeps on messing things up. And, <clears throat> and working at the shop, or a comic shop, I already kind of knew that, that Diamond was a pain in the neck. But they were the one, only show until DC did this. Right. Um, I also read that DC is actually cutting because they were using two different distributors and I think they're just sticking with Lunar and they're dropping the other one completely. Um, but it's a very interesting article. That's on Bleeding Cool. Uh, it just got posted today. I highly recommend uh, going out and checking that one out. And then the other thing I wanted to bring up <clears throat> was there's some news that came out about uh, the Green Lantern movie or the TV show that's coming out for HBO Max. And they are going to be doing it, it appears, through three different <clears throat> decades. So it says sources indicate that the show will feature the 40s, the 80s, and modern day. So in the 40s, it would be focused on Alan Scott. <clears throat> um they are going to keep him as a gay man, 
and him trying to traverse the 1940s um, in the society around him. Guy Gardner is going to be the main focus for the 80s run. And then Simon and Simon Baez and Jessica uh, Cruz will be the modern day. Um, I did not see that coming. The premise sounds actually really interesting. It's going to be very interesting to see what uh, they do with it. That's what I had. Cool. And joining us now, Scott. How's it going, Scott? Oh, I don't know how it's going. Let me ask my wife how how I'm doing. I always have to ask my wife. Sometimes she says, oh, you're fine, but let me tell you about my day. <laughs> and, and sometimes she says, you know, Scott, you're, you're feeling kind of guilty right about now. <laughs> so it's good to check. <laughs> How are you guys? Doing really good. All right. I requested the... Um, <laughs> Uh, segment uh, with the Dream Team, but I missed most of it, so I'm going to be looking forward to downloading this episode later. Yeah, it's a lot of fun to do. It's fun. Oh, groovy. Uh, Speaking of fun, um, may I uh, tell you guys uh, very quickly about a character that I've I'm sure you've heard me mention before, and has become my favorite comic character like yeah. of all time wow all right okay. <laughs> yes let me tell you about rocky the rock <laughs> rocky the rock is a the protagonist and title character of his own comic series it's on tapas and created by a, a really cool guy uh, diego who I think is Mexican, but uh, his handle on English English is actually really good. And uh, Rocky is a rock. And I don't mean that he's uh, a man made of stone. I mean, he's a rock. He does not breathe. He does not speak. (laughs) He does not move. (laughs) But... um, he does have uh, many abilities. He has the world's greatest poker face. Um, his uh, his wisdom uh, is greater than words. Uh, his movements cannot be perceived by the human eye. Um, he has never been beaten in battle. He's uh, completely OP. <laughs> and... Uh, yes, so this is a work of parody. Um, and uh, yes, this is another um, series on tapas.io. Uh, but it is um, that series that when um, it, it does update, and there are a lot of things that I want to read immediately, that's the one I go to first. Because uh, more often than, because it's always a little funny, it's always a little chuck worthy, chuckle worthy. Sometimes I'm falling out of my seat 
because this because it is gut busting funny. And all of the characters um, in Rocky's uh, world um, react to him as if he was a fully animated character. Like uh, they'll be on a ship, and um, it's like, uh, who's wait? Who's piloting the ship? Oh, don't worry, Rocky's there. He's got it covered. <laughs> but uh, and you would think that this gag would get old. <laughs> it never gets old. <laughs> it re- honestly, I I don't know how Diego keeps going back and milking this same joke over and over again. But it never stops being funny. <laughs> and maybe it's just my type of humor. No, this is funny. I'm reading it. <laughs> <I am, laughs> yeah, me too. I'm reading it right now. Yes. Um, the artwork is... Uh, it, it, it's no reason to brag. But it, it's one of those series that you d- absolutely do not read for the art. You really don't. <laughs> And his sidekick, of course, is the one guy who does understand that, hey, he's just a rock. <laughs> and <laughs> that, is, uh, the primary, that is the primary source of the uh, personal conflict in the story. This is funny. Good call. Yes, I've, I've actually played as uh, Rocky the Rock um, because I made stats for him in Kill Sector. <laughs> I played him a couple of times, and uh, he survived both gauntlets. So, <laughs> so he... he and I, I'm afraid to uh, break up his uh, perfect uh, uh, record, because it's kind of rare that a character in Kill Sector does that. So I'm not going to play him a third time. <laughs> Want to keep the legend intact. This is great. I'm going to have to keep on reading this. Wow. Okay. <laughs> That's good stuff, Scott. Well, thank you. Thank you. I, I enjoyed uh, sharing the word. <laughs> Oh, you guys got any uh, new uh, exciting things happening in November? Um, happy new month. <laughs> um, Anything big happening in your lives? Oh, no. Uh, outside of comic news? No, I just, uh, we've been playing Ghostbusters and I, we have like 12 episodes, I think like nine episodes and I'm going to be editing those again for the Ooh. second time because... Yeah, these are like two hours long, and they meander so much. So I'm gonna edit those. So down. it needs a second pass. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh. It's like it's not so much ghost hunting this time. It's more character fighting. It's like oh gee. <laughs> <laughs> I thought they would have got over that with Kill Sector, but no. (laughs) I I would volunteer to help you with the editing, but I don't have um, (laughs) I don't have that kind of time myself. (laughs) (laughs) No, Murgatroyd. 
yeah, it's it's brutal. This season is brutal. Well, I'm going to be um, I'm going to be participating in NaNoWriMo this year. So, uh, and uh, we're already uh, two and a half days into the month, and I haven't started yet. So I'll let you <laughs> I'll let you know how that works out for me. There'll be updates later. But nice. good speaking with you guys. Uh, I, I I appreciate I appreciate this time, and uh, I uh, yeah, uh, I f- I feel for the editing. <laughs> that hurts just uh, hearing about it. <laughs> you know how that is like, uh, yeah. <laughs> I I can't wait to spend another six hours per episode down here. <laughs> like, oh god, that's why we went live on this one, so you didn't have to yeah. do so much editing. <laughs> that is really really prudent. <laughs> yeah, if I don't have to edit, I'm fine. <laughs> oh. Everybody's like, yeah. So we will self-edit, and I will uh, shut up now. <laughs> All right, man. <laughs> cool. Good and to speak cool. with you both. Bye. Yeah, man. Good to speak Talk to you next week. Oh yeah. See ya. Aloha. All right. Well, I guess that'll kind of wrap us up for the show. Um, anything we want to add here, Nick? Nope. I think we're good. All right. Well, um, thanks for listening, and feel free to join us next week at uh, 7 p.m. Central Time. Have a great one. Bye. See you. Bye.